a new face on stage this week. Uh, yeah, didn't she do a great job? <laughs> Cynthia did a great, where'd she get, there she is, she ducked down here to the seat, I looked over like you were there a second ago. Uh, she did a great job. Um, we got kind of a kind of a worship boot camp going here, don't we? I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, training up the next generation of of worship leaders, and, that, and that's how you guys. That's how you do it. Uh, there's no better way to uh, to get young people uh, interested in the church. Uh, no better way to do that than to get them involved in the church. Uh, I really dislike this whole you know they're the church of tomorrow. Uh, folks, they're the church of right now, and uh, and so it excites me uh, seeing our young people interested in uh, being a part of the ministries here at the church. And it's not just in the in our worship, uh, but Phyllis, uh, who uh, has been great, Phyllis Maley. Everybody say, "Hey, Phyllis!" Uh, Embarrass her. Go ahead. Uh, so. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, I, I have I have so much uh, love and respect and admiration uh, for this lady. Uh, she has uh, been overseeing our nursery program, uh, kind of taking that off our plate, and and she has no idea uh, what a blessing that has been uh, to to Dorinda and I. Um, but uh, you know, getting our young people involved in our nursery program as well, uh, working under the uh, under the uh, eye and and uh, tutelage of, of adults in our nursery. Uh, again, it's, it's all about uh, training up this next generation of, uh, of Christian leaders. And so uh, I'm just thrilled uh, that we're able to do that. And I love that you're willing to uh, embrace them and pour into them and uh, nurture them uh, because once again, they're not the church of tomorrow, the church of right now. Well, we have been uh, gaining deeper insights on how to read the Bible, because for many the Bible can be difficult to read and understand. Uh, we've dug into uh, into theology, even history, uh, to better see perhaps the relationship uh, between the Testaments, the Old and the New, as well as the relationship which exists between Jesus Christ and Scripture. Because after all, all Scripture points to Jesus. Amen. Last week, we discovered that Scripture is God-breathed, and as such, it's thoroughly useful. But before we close this series, we need to dig just, just guys, a little bit deeper uh, to better understand how God, through His Spirit, uses Scripture. In fact, if you don't get anything else I say today beyond the reading of God's Word, I want you to get this. Through the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit, Scripture is living, active, and powerful okay the the the, through, through the presence and activity of the holy spirit scripture is living active and powerful you know jesus said famously i have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly jesus came church to do more than to punch your ticket to heaven um i think sometimes we forget that Jesus came to do more than to punch your ticket for heaven. He came so that you could live the abundant, victorious Christian life. The secret of which is the Word of God. 
But so many Christians disregard Scripture. We become complacent, careless, lazy. And church, that never leads to anything good. Which is the point that the writer of Hebrews is making in Hebrews chapter 4 when he says in verse 11, Stephen's going to give you, uh, give you that visual. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4 verse 11, Let us therefore strive, the emphasis is mine, to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Well, so much for the doctrine of eternal security, right? Now, I said last week, if, if you want to be a man or woman of God, you must be, before all else, a man or woman of the Bible. Yeah, you were listening, that's good, that's good. You must be, before all else, a man or woman of the Bible. And that takes work. It takes work. I know, I know, I know that's a four-letter word uh, in, in more than one sense, but it takes work. You have to work at it if you want to experience the abundant, victorious Christian life. But I got good news for you today. This work, for this work, you have supernatural help. You have supernatural help. And so I want us to take a closer look. Turn in your Bible or open your Bible app to Hebrews chapter 4. That's where we'll be studying from today. just I get my 80s on um, Hebrews chapter 4 we're going to read just just two verses today uh, we, we started with verse 11 I gave you that let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience and then the writer of Hebrews says beginning at verse 12 Hebrews chapter 4 beginning with verse 12 is where we're going to begin reading today but before we read, let's, let's pause and let's reverence God's word and receive it with prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for your word today. It's powerful. We're about to discover just how powerful it is. Lord, I pray that your word would find fertile soil in our hearts today. That it'll take root, that it'll grow fruit. It'll bear fruit for the kingdom. Pray that you would use your word to do a work in us today. For your word is truth and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I pray your blessings on the reading and hearing of your word in Jesus name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4 beginning at verse 12. The writer of Hebrews writes. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, 
and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And here the writer of Hebrews gives you four very compelling reasons why you must never disregard God's word. Why you must never allow yourself to become complacent, careless, or lazy with regards to Scripture. And the first word that you should, you should notice, I would think that you would want to notice in verse 12, is the word living. Scripture is living. Scripture is living. Look again with me at the first part of verse 12. Word of God. So it's very clear here what he's he's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about the Bible. He's talking about Scripture. Contextually speaking, he's referring to the Law and the Prophets. But as we've discovered that the new, what we call the New Testament has been canonized. So all Scripture, the Word of God, for the Word of God, he said, is what? It is living and active. Unlike any other book, God the Holy Spirit continually works in and through the words of Scripture. It's unique from any other book in that way. He works in and through the words of Scripture. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, God inspired not only the writers of Scripture, but I want you to get this, also He inspires the readers of Scripture. He inspires the readers of Scripture. And so when you open up God's Word, listen, you are inviting the Holy Spirit to inspire you, to breathe His breath upon you. What a powerful thought that is today. That when you open the Word of God, you are communing with the Spirit of God. God inspired not only the writers of Scripture, but He inspires the readers of Scripture as well. If you remember all the way back to the very first message in this series, we discovered that God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is the Word. And so when the writer of Hebrews says that the Word of God is living, it's, it's important for us to understand that this is because Scripture is not static and lifeless, but forever imbued and permeated with the Spirit of the living God. This is the constitution of God's word. It is alive. It is alive. Living scripture is the product of the very breath of God. The same breath that gave man a living soul. The same spirit of life who raised Christ from the dead, who causes us to be born again to a new life in Christ by grace through faith. God, the Holy Spirit, has also given life to His Word. It lives because it is forever enduring. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heaven, in the heavens. A thousand years later, the Gospel writer Matthew will record the words of Jesus saying, Heaven and earth 
shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. It's living because it is forever enduring, church. And so for this reason, we should always approach Scripture with expectation. Expectation of meeting with God. Expectation of God breathing His breath upon you. You know, you think about that today. When you, when you are standing close enough to somebody for you to feel their breath when they speak to you, they're standing pretty close, amen? Now, I, just a true confession here, um, <laughs> I'm, 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 a bit of a, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I think you all know that, uh, and for good reason, by the way. But... Uh, uh, you know, when I don't, I don't generally stand super close to. I, I like to hug. Don't get me wrong. Isn't that funny? I'm a germaphobe that likes to hug. I don't. I'm, I wasn't that. I wasn't. I didn't used to be that way, but I am now. And I, I just, I just think that's just the love of Christ, you know. But uh, uh, I like to hug. But if I'm standing there talking to you, I don't want to be too. I don't want to. I don't want to be able to tell what kind of breath mint that you're that you're chewing on. So, so really, the only person I'm comfortable being that close to is my wife. Uh, and, and so when, when, I, when, I, when I can feel somebody's breath as I'm talking to them, that's generally telling me, you're too close. And, and I'll, I'll oftentimes, I'll take a step back. But here's the thing. God wants to be that close to you. And so this is, a, this is a, an opportunity. For this reason, we, we should approach Scripture with expectation that we're going to be face-to-face with God, that we're going to be able to, to feel His breath, that we're going to be able to experience this inspiration as the Holy Spirit breathes the breath of life into us, as He breathes His Word into us, as He, as he, as he breathes encouragement to our hearts, as He, as he, as he breathes peace uh, to calm the storm that you might be going through. Amen? Come on. As he breathes on you, listen, your circumstances change. Your attitude begins to change. Your mindset be- begins to change. He begins to change you from the inside out to transform. That's what the breath of God does. One of the ways that we can, that we can approach Scripture with expectation is to begin our reading with Scripture always with prayer. Someone said to me recently, you know, Pastor Mike, I wish God would speak to me. Man, I wanted to, I wanted to just kind of hit him over the head with my Bible. Hello? God spoke. He is speaking. I want us to get that today. Like He is speaking loud and clear. If you can't hear him, it's because you're not listening ask him to give you eyes to see and ears to hear start the conversation with open eyes with open ears and open mind and open heart as God speaks and that said you cannot be open to hear the voice of God with your Bible sitting shut and so if you want to hear from God you must have an open Bible and an open heart Scripture is living. The character of, of, of the words aliveness, according to the writer of Hebrews here, is that it is active. 
The word of God is living and active. And I think sometimes we forget just how actively the word lives. I want us to take real quick, just a, just a quick word study here. My word nerds are going to love this because they're getting two today. The Greek word translated as active is energes. 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 Yes? Yes? That's where we get our word energy. It is most often rendered effective. It is a picture of effectual power. A buddy of mine one time let me drive a 1985 Lamborghini. I don't know what he was thinking, but guys, he did. He let me drive it. Uh, and I, and I got to tell you, from the minute I turned the key, I could feel the vibration of all 300 horses in that thing. I mean, I mean, my butt was vibrating. And I knew the minute that I hit the, hit the gas, Ryan, I was going to town. I mean, that thing had power, and you could feel it. I mean, you could feel it. Man, I, I pressed that gas pedal a couple of times, and it lifted me. It physically lifted me. I mean, that thing was powerful. But listen to me today. God's Word vibrates with, with activity. It is active. It is effectual. It's got power, and it rushes to fulfill the purpose for which it was spoken. It will not return. It will not return to him void. When you open it up, you are releasing God's breath. It is alive and it is powerful. It does what it promises to do. It regards neither your age nor your education. Whether you're 10 or 110, if you will listen, if you will read and listen to God's word with expectation of its life and of its power, it will transform you. It will transform your relationships. It will transform your home. It will transform the church because that's what it means when the writer of Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active. Scripture is living. Scripture is penetrating. It is penetrating. Look at the second part of verse 12. Again, the writer of Hebrews, for the word of God is living and active. Look at this. Don't look at me, look at your Bible. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. As I'm growing more fond of saying a text without context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to mean. That's why I gave you verse 11, by the way. Because I wanted you to have a little bit more context. Now, some people like to use this verse in the dichotomous-trichotomous debate to either prove that humans are two or even three parts. It does nothing but detract from the practical understanding of God's Word. Because what we have here is not a, not a statement on whether we're two parts or three parts. What we have here is a poetic statement about the power of God's word to pierce to its very depths the human personality. God's word will pierce to its very depths the human personality. God's word can cut through anything, anything to bring you to conviction, to breakthrough, 
to awakening, to healing, whatever God is desiring to do in your life. The Word of God will cut through anything in order to accomplish what God is wanting to do in your life. A must-read for every Christian. And by the way, for, for those of you who have children and grandchildren, it's a great family read. John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan's Pilgrim's... You should write that down. If you've never read it, you should write it down and you should, you should read it. Uh, you should read it. Uh, in the story, two warrior heroes, Mr. Valiant for Truth, is marveling at Mr. Greatheart's sword as they rest themselves from a battle. Now, Valiant for Truth says to Greatheart, quote, Let man have one of these blades with a hand to wield it and skill to use it, and he may venture upon an angel with it. He need not fear its holding if he can but tell how to lay on. Its edges will never blunt. It will cut flesh and bones and soul and spirit and all. End quote. Tough guys. Tough weapon. Tough weapon. Of course, the sword in Bunyan's allegory is the Bible, God's Word. And it cleaves through our hard-shelled souls like a hot knife through warm butter. When you interact with Scripture, the Spirit speaks, cutting through all the pretensions, through all the walls that you've built. Its edge is never blunt, always sharp, always fresh. When we read Scripture, even passages that we have read a hundred times in the past, the Spirit of God incisively, like a two-edged sword, speaks to us in our present moment and contextualizes the message to fit our current situation. That's why when Dorinda told our children today that, that unlike gum, God's word never loses its flavor. That's what we're talking about, church. It never loses. Somebody said to me one time, the bread of life never goes stale. I like that. God's word is penetrating. And for this reason, we should never allow ourselves to become bored or become complacent reading Scripture. Even those texts that we're familiar with. There is never redundancy with God's Word because through the presence and activity of the Spirit, the Bible has power to speak a fresh word to us in every season, in every stage of our lives, every time, all the time. Praise God. And so the writer of Hebrews... Here, having established that Scripture is powerfully living and penetrating, we get another attribute, if you will. Another reason why you should never disregard God, reading God's Word. Scripture is discerning. Scripture is discerning. Look at the last part of verse 12. Again, look at your Bibles. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and, look at this, discerning the thoughts and intentions 
of the heart. Now, I cannot, I cannot not show you the word that we've rendered here as discerning. So this is your second word study. It is the Greek word kritikos. 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 And yes, that does sound a lot like the word critic or critical for good reason. Uh, although Hebrews 4.12 is the only time we get this form of kritikos, it appears numerous times throughout the New Testament in other forms, and it's often associated with making judgments, decisions, and distinctions. Uh, unfortunately, because of this, this toxic dialogue that exists today, and sometimes for very good reason, you know, if you've ever been told Christians are so judgy, they're so judgmental. Sometimes that's very true, but I want you to understand something, church. The Word of God commands you to make judgments. You're supposed to be judgy. It's just the way sometimes we are judgy is wrong. We're quick to judge others. We're slow to judge ourselves. And that's just, that's just one, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. That's just one example. We're supposed to be judgy. But here's the thing. God has given you a tool to enable you to do that in a godly manner. It's the word of God. Scripture is discerning. And, the, and this word discerning is kritikos. Now, although Hebrews 4.12, again, is the only time we get it, it comes numerous forms throughout the Bible. I want to give you one example. In Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas are preaching Christ in Berea, what is today uh, Berea in uh, northern Greece. The Jews who are there are skeptical, but unlike the Jews in nearby Thessaloniki, they, these guys are receptive. And they do something that's actually really wise. It's very wise. Uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, says in uh, Acts chapter 17, they, meaning the Jews in Berea, they received the word with eagerness, examining, there, by the way, uh, is another form of our word kritikos, tra translated here as examining, the scripture, examining the scripture daily to see, look at this, if the things were so. Where is it? Oh, there it is. If the things were so. Right there on your screen. So what is happening here, church? They are hearing Christ preached. They are responding to the preaching. But then they are weighing. They are judging. They are critiquing what they are hearing against what is written in the law and the prophets about him. They're using scripture to discern what is happening both around them, but also what is happening within them, in their hearts. It's really wise. Instead of uh, eating up every, every piece of garbage that, uh, uh, that, that some prosperity gospel preacher is throwing at you, I mean, we, we, we consume Joel Osteen like, like, it's, like, it's, like it's meaty doctrine. It's not. It's fluff. And a lot of it is false fluff. 
We need to get into God's word and we listen, we need to weigh, we need to critique, we need to judge what we are hearing against the word of God. Because there is a big difference between what sounds good and what is right. And the difference, listen, the difference can mean heaven or hell for some people. And so I want you, if you're sitting here going, wow, that's a huge responsibility. Man, that's exactly what you should be thinking right now. That is a huge responsibility. Because listen, there are a lot of people out there preaching stuff that sounds good. The problem is it's just not right. The problem is, is that 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 stuff that sounds good is leading people to hell. Because it's not right. So I, I, think, I think this is a wonderful picture here in the book of Acts of how to use Scripture responsibly to discern not only what is going on in the world around us, but to discern what is going on in us. Because sometimes, sometimes church, sometimes we're too close. We've got to be able to step back and look at the world objectively and to look at it through the lens of God's Word and not through the lens of our feelings. Because listen, your feelings will lead you astray. Follow your heart, that's nonsense. Follow the Lord, that's truth. And that's truth that will get you home. So I love this picture. They're hearing Christ preach, they're weighing, they're judging, they're critiquing. They're using scripture to discern. That's what scripture does. It judges, it weighs, it critiques, it discerns. Scripture will tell us what is in our hearts it will also tell us what is really true and what is not true in the world. What is of God and what is not of God. Scripture is discerning. Please listen carefully to what I'm about to say. If you really want to understand yourself, if you really want your life to reflect the character and nature of Christ, and if you say that you're his follower, then that should be your number one pursuit in life. If that's your, if that's your pursuit in life, Listen to me. Then you must fill your life with God's Word. You must fill your life with God's Word. God's Word read, meditated upon, prayerfully applied. It will give you brilliant discernment and profound self-knowledge. James 1.23 and 24, you might want to jot that down. James 1.23 and 24 likens the Word of God to a mirror that reveals who and what we really are. It will also enable you to cut through the noise and confusion of the world so that you might walk without stumbling and falling into disobedience and sin. What an incredible grace that we've been given, church, in God's discerning Word. Positive change and personal growth are only possible, however, if we are open to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit as we open our Bibles to read. God's Word, has, has, it is living. It has living, penetrating, discerning powers. And so now in verse 13, the focus switches. It switches from God's Word to God Himself. And presents God as knowing and reckoning. God is reckoning. 
God and his word cannot be separated. Amen? So for that reason, I thought it was really important to follow the writer of Hebrews and maintain this natural connection. Because, listen, the word of God and the character of God is knowing and reckoning. He can't be separated. Verse 13 says this. Take a look. It says that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God is omniscient. That is an attribute of God. God is omniscient. He sees and he knows everything. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says this, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God is omniscient. He sees and knows everything. Psalm 89 says our iniquity, your sin, our iniquity is set before him, and our secret sins are seen in the light of his presence. Now for someone with something to hide, this can be more than just a little bit uncomfortable. I shared that scripture one time. I was preaching in a church in Tennessee, and I saw, I saw this guy in the back of the church. Man, he started getting squirmy, and then he got up and left. I thought, man, that poor fella. And by the way, when I asked about him after church, sure enough, sure enough, he was, he was somebody that was trying to hide his secrets. Problem was, man, the folks in that church, they knew their word and they were close to the spirit and they knew. They knew. This can be uncomfortable for someone with something to hide. I want you to understand something today. We are being judged. And we will be judged by God's word every bit of it and herein lies the warning once again in verse 11 to those who in disobedience those who have become complacent and careless and lazy with God's word they're falling into disobedience they're falling away the metaphorical language used in verse 13, those, those words, naked, exposed, those words, that metaphorical language is terrifying. It's meant to be. It's meant to make you feel exposed. It's meant to force you to imagine yourself naked, held helplessly, totally exposed in God's grip, close to his omniscient eyes as you are compelled to answer the hard questions about who and what you are. Knowing, knowing, that God can never be fooled. No cover of religion, no cloak of hypocrisy, no duplicitous smiles, no walls, no excuses, nothing. 
you are laid bare and exposed before him. Nothing is hidden from his sight. To the sinning, self-righteous heart, apart from the grace of God, this should bring nothing but unmitigated terror. And that terror honestly should drive you this very moment from your comfortable seat into the shelter of God's mercy. It should send you running to this stage to throw yourself at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. The uncomfortable truth of verse 13 tells us something really important, something really powerful, something, something really liberating about how we must approach the Scriptures. We should never approach, the, we, should, we, should, we should rather approach the Scriptures openly, willingly exposing our inner selves to the living, penetrating, and discerning power of God's Word. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come. What have we learned today? What have we learned today? And how can we apply it to better study and understand the Bible? If you'll go ahead and get a pad, let's get some... You must approach Scripture openly with an attitude of expectancy and receptivity to the power of God's Word. We need to approach Scripture. That's the first thing. If you're one of those people that take your Bible and you go home and you set it down and then you pick it up next week, you need to approach God, God's Word. You, you, need to, you need to develop a relationship with God's Word. Because it is one of the keys of having a good relationship with God. You need to approach Scripture openly with an attitude of expectation and be receptive to the power of God's Word. Now happily this morning, the truth that nothing is hidden also means that God will miss no good thing no good thing you get that what a comfort what what encouragement this is today hear me today you are seen right now by the eyes of a loving merciful and gracious God you know in the New Testament there are only three nouns used of God God is light God is love God is life. Everything else is an adjective. God is righteous, that's an adjective. God is holy, adjective. God is sovereign, adjective. We could keep going. But God is light. God is love. God is life. Those three nouns. And there's something significant about what God is communicating to us today what he is communicating to you about who he is and by extension what his word is the word of god is light 
And what a gift that light is, helping you to navigate through darkness. The Word of God is an expression of His unequal and unconditional love. It's a love letter, church. It is a love letter. His Word is life. It is life. It is His breath. And when you read it, it washes over you. It blows like a cold breeze on a hot day. And it brings with it everything that is good and perfect. Transforming you from the very core of your being until you become the very reflection of His beauty. A picture of the character and nature of Christ. So as you stand to your feet this morning, how about it? How about it? How about it today? Are you being transformed? Are you in, is, your, is your relationship status today in a relationship with the Word of God? Is it today? Because that's that should be our relationship status. In a relationship with the Word of God. Church, I love the Word of God. I told you before, this, this series was inspired by a conversation I had with Miss Maggie, who loves God, God's Word, who has a burden for you that you would love and be equipped to study God's Word. God's Word is something to love today. It is something to be cherished today. It is a grace second only to the cross of Christ today. How about it? Do you have a relationship with the Word? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Or are you just going through the motions today? So many, so many people just going through the motions. They're just going to church. Because that's, that's what somebody said. Some, I talked to a guy one time. He said, my wife said I needed to come to church. Well, good, good job, wife. But are you just going through the motions or do you have a relationship? Because let me tell you something. This will never, never make sense. The world will never make sense. Your life will never make sense. You will, you will go through life from one crisis to another and it will never make sense until you stop and until you embrace God who is standing there saying I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly he wants you to live the abundant Christian life how about it Father thank you for your word I pray today for hearers of your word in this auditorium, hearers of your word watching our live stream today, I pray. I pray today, God, that we will leave here today with better understanding of how to read the word, knowing that your word is light, your word is love, your word is life. 
living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you for this incredible grace, the grace of your word. So Lord, I pray today, if there is anyone here today who is not living the abundant, victorious Christian life, today would be the day, Lord, that they would come running to your arms. They would throw themselves at your feet. They would put their hands in the air and say, Lord, I surrender. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, we'll be up here.
What a place this has been today. Amen. Boy, the Spirit of God is here today. Mm. I, I hope it's been as, as a big a blessing to you as it has been to me. Please join us next week. Don't forget play practice today. Don't forget to turn your clocks ahead next week. One hour. You don't want to be late for church, okay? Uh, and now, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Go scatter darkness, church. Break chains of despair. Proclaim Jesus and his kingdom. Be the church and make it a great week.